Welcome to She Said Let's, where we chat the ups and many downs of the business of film and TV, shine a light on women who've empowered us, and dish on plot twists in our life we just had to say let's to. I'm Kay. And I'm Hannah. And today we have a very special guest, director, writer, actor, podcast host of The Gal's Guide, Emily Elise Burton. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I did not realize how much shit I do. Um, I can cuss (laughs) on this podcast. Of course. Yeah, 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 you can say whatever the fuck you want. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, now that wow, my resume is so impressive. I love that. I mean, and also, <laughs> I was talking to her on the way over, and I was like, I didn't include XYZ. Did you want me to? So no. she does even more. I do even more, and I was like, No, we can, I'll stay humble for everybody else. Yeah, 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 you must. I can't let them know everything that I do. I can't let them know that I'm so perfect. It's great. No, yeah, you gotta <laughs> keep a little bit of mystery exactly. in there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, backstory of how Emily and I know each other for those of you who don't live in LA. There's a ton of writers meetups that started being in person again, maybe in the past year or so. And one of them came from a Discord channel that our mutual friend Joe helps organize. Shout out to Joe. Shout out Joe. Yes. (laughs) So we met at one a while back and instantly thought we knew each other from something else. (laughs) But really, I think we just could feel that we would click. You know, perhaps it was our mutual red hair. I think that 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 probably was it. I think it was. We just felt close because of the red hair, the struggle. Was the alcohol. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. (laughs) But uh, I've seen her many times since and found out we had a ton in common and we were both passionate about telling stories of complicated and or what some may see as unlikable female characters. Yeah. Which... We are going to be talking about a little bit later in a new segment. However, Emily, as a fellow podcaster, how do you think your venture into podcasting has helped you in your film and TV career? Ooh, uh, it's interesting because I, so I have a lot of experience like working with a lot of other podcasters. Um, I've had a lot of friends that are also podcasters and are also in the film industry. And a lot of them have, more fictionalized podcasts where like they're writing a script and like they're telling a story that way you know it's basically just like an old-timey like radio show that you used to tune into the am and just listen to like story time with like dick clark or whatever and (laughs) um i i don't do that like my podcast is a dating and lifestyle podcast where we're like where you're like trying to help like women empower themselves in like datings and relationships and wellness and just self-love and it is very similar in a way to what I write. I love writing about relationships. I love creating stories around that. So I don't like to say that I take inspiration from my dating life, but I do. And I, oh yeah. Exactly. Well, well, I can get into why it's probably not a great idea because let's just say they all find out I'm basically the Taylor Swift of film. I like to, my friends like to say, like I write about all my exes and they all have code names on the show as well too. So there's like the doctor, there's the actor, there's the writer. Uh, there's one named John Mayer because he thought he was fucking John Mayer. Like it's, yeah, he literally had the ego of John Mayer. He was so obsessed with him. But um, <laughs> I have honestly like debated so many times, like creating a like television show like around this kind of character and like naming like all these different guy characters like these um after like the doctor the actor like you know how that kind of anonymity thing but um yeah I mean that's the only thing that with those two that kind of go hand in hand and I, I feel like with screenwriting I've gotten better with storytelling on the podcast as well and trying to make like instead of just being like oh here's like this awful date I went on like let me make it into more of like this engaging story that Almost like a stand-up comedy act, I think, in a way. That's how I try to treat it, at least. Yeah. I love that. Me too. I love that. Well, we are just going to rip the Band-Aid off and ask, what scares you the most about this industry, and does it have anything to do with being a woman? Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) um, I feel like the number one thing that probably scares me the most with this industry is... uh, the ability to doubt female storytellers a lot of the time and to not trust them with 
I look at Olivia Wilde basically and what just happened like with Don't Worry Darling and essentially this is a story that many many male filmmakers have repeatedly tried to make and they've made and been successful with it and faced no criticism no backlash no one gave a shit about their dating life and if they were dating the star of the film no one would have batted an eye and with her it's been the exact opposite it's been uncountless um cruelty to her and I think just so much introspective into like her dating life and I don't think anybody would have bad eye if that would have been a man and so I I applaud her for trying to make that kind of film for her second film ever like it's a fucking I don't know if you guys have seen it I haven't seen it yet but me neither not yet so like there are flaws in it I'm not gonna lie like there's flaws within the script and everything but when you watch the film like it's an expensive looking film like it is it sounds cheesy but like harry styles literally said it feels like a movie like (laughs) (laughs) but like my favorite quote from press (laughs) after seeing it i get it like i get what he was saying it does feel like a movie like (laughs) and i don't know i just wish that more executives and just production companies took more chances on not only female writers but female directors as well with these big stories and these big films and these high budgets like they don't only need to be doing the indie darlings like let them let some let a woman do like the next marvel film like let's see more of that i would love to see female directors taking more of these big budget blockbuster films even if it is like just a summer blockbuster like top gun or something like that like i just want to see it more because there are so many stories that are constantly being told about women's lives and female characters that are not written by women and they're not directed by women and they are always not always but most of the time wrong (laughs) or like there's just some inaccuracy behind it there's this one and i don't remember her last name but i know i know her first name is isabel i believe but she is she's a female director and she directed one of the episodes of under the banner of heaven which was uh a miniseries on hulu Yep, so fucking good. And she shared a quote on her Twitter the other day that I thought was immaculate. And it was, you know, most of the time, like, I, it doesn't, I don't think it matters if the actor is a man or a woman. Um, but a lot of the times, actors are able to get to a more emotional and vulnerable level with a female director than they are with a male director. And she said that was the thing that helped her the most when she was um, directing Andrew Garfield. Uh, and under the banner of heaven because they were able to resonate and connect on an emotional level because you don't feel that need like your walls are just able to come down a lot more naturally and it's just a better relationship for the actor right and women are just naturally more empathetic yeah so that makes a lot of sense yes yeah. so i just think that there's so many different ways that that could be highlighted more and like i've always wanted to be a writer director and so it's just something that i just want to see more of like i can't believe that we've only had now like two women win the best directing oscar and it's 2022 like what the fuck that's why we got to change that yeah and i mean the question that this whole podcast is based around is what was something that scared that you were scared of doing that a woman had you say let's to and empowered you to do that thing Mm -hmm. so who was that person for you uh, I would definitely say probably my high school drama teacher, um, Miss Hubbard. Yeah. And I've always said that if I ever won an Oscar, I would thank her because I would not be where I am today without her. I actually saw her last year at Olive Garden, like in North Carolina. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is everything. Unlimited breadsticks <laughs> like, with Miss Hubbard. I'm waiting in the lobby at an Olive Garden, like bumfuck North Carolina. <laughs> and I see her and I was like, oh my god like hi and um you know I told her that I got into film school uh and I you know I had just graduated and that I was going to move to Los Angeles and you know that I had just got my master's like in uh screenwriting and that's what I wanted to do and I told her I was like you know this would have never happened if it wasn't for you because all my life like I thought oh I just want to be an actor like that's all I want to do I just want to be an actor and in my junior year of high school we were all like all the juniors like in the drama class we were told to like write like a short one act play like all of us had to and whoever like the class liked the most 
we would put on as our final at the end of the year for like the school and the juniors and seniors both did this and so mine didn't get picked but she was like I loved her so much I'm gonna make the freshman class do it and then the next year after that my senior year she was like yours is not even up for debate for the senior class like you're automatically going to do the freshman years um when I play again like you're writing that and like you and I never thought I would love playwriting as much and that led into screenwriting and it led to just me wanting to pursue that and then actually there was this one playwright he's a man but he's gay uh, so we still love him but his name is Del Shores and he wrote the play Sword Lives and I actually did that play in undergrad and he came to the opening night and I met him and I was like you know you started writing your own plays like what like made you start doing that he's like I wanted to be an actor and I was tired of waiting for people to give me the roles I wanted so I just started writing my own and I was like oh shit that's what I need to do like why am I love writing I love playwriting I want to make movies one day like I just need to do that and that's here I am (laughs) oh I love that yeah yeah. I, I didn't I always was afraid to kind of write because I just it's just so intimidating I think especially like as a teenager I think like you're just like I don't know what I'm doing I also didn't think that I could make it a career and I, I I was like I don't I didn't understand that that was a thing people got paid to do and it was it was terrifying to kind of think that oh maybe I won't act again and I'm just gonna give it more to writing but no, I think it's made not only acting better for me, but it's just fueled my creativity a lot more than I ever thought it could. We love that. Beautiful. Well, now it's time to have a little fun with a playful segment we like to call Let's Blue Sky It. Now, we all have dream projects or roles or people we'd love to work with, etc. And this is the segment where we pitch our blue sky ideas. So, Emily. If there were zero boundaries and you didn't need a million yeses, there like nothing. You need nothing. What would you create or who would you work with? Oh, my dream has always been to ha- be a showrunner of my own like television show. Um, and I used to always say comedy because I love comedy. That's where I grew up in and I still adore it to this day. Um, but I also... I have really started getting into drama lately. And so I, I would love to, like, do, like, a kick-ass, like, drama series, like, with, like, some big fucking names like Margot Robbie and, um like, Theo James and, like, Florence Pugh at Chris Pine. I think it would be fucking amazing. Um, So, yeah, I would just want to basically be, like, the next Tina Fey slash, like, Shonda Rhimes. Oh, yes. great combo. Yeah. I guess Elizabeth Merriweather is that combo in a way because she did New Girl and The Dropout. So, like, she's, like, a healthy mix of both. Yeah, Yeah, but we also have Emily here. Yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of, it's funny that you say that because I was actually listening back to a recording that I did, I want to say, like, five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And it's this audio recording on my phone of a friend of mine stoned as shit trying to tell each other this movie plot that we both thought of that was a horror comedy type situation but the entirety of the of the recording if i wasn't skipping over my words is 30 minutes of us just stoned going back and forth with a chip bag right next to the speaker <laughs> so i feel like it'd be fucking hilarious to recreate something like that mm-hmm. um but Rather than it be the recording itself, I think it'd be hilarious to make a horror comedy based on the two people making the recording. Well, and Hannah sent this to me uh, (laughs) when we were first (laughs) kind of becoming friends and she knew that I was a writer and she was like, what do you think about this idea? And immediately I sent back something that was like this fucking chip bag dude is driving me mad because it was just them chomping on chips and like moving the chip bag and i was like i can't even i i don't even know i don't even know what the hell you guys are saying this is exactly what the recording sounded like yeah so uh, what about what about 
and then there's dogs in the background <laughs> running around. And I was like, dude, I can't do shit with this. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. This is too much. But yeah, it was a, it was definitely an interesting. I think it'd idea. be fucking funny. Yeah, <laughs> it could it, just it be was. my stoned brain in general, just being like, yeah, that'd be hilarious, and then no one would watch it. <laughs> Well, uh, mine is a little bit more serious uh, than than that, but um, I would like to create a fellowship for emerging writers, directors, and producers. Look at you giving back to the community. (laughs) I'm not thinking of that at all. Like, anyway, let's create some stuff. You're like "Mm, a fellowship. Let's give. I mean, like, I would love to have my own production company and like you know empower like female writers and directors and everything but like i feel like that's a cop-out now after hearing like Kay's answer that i'm just like backtracking on, like, my well <laughs> well i get to do this every episode so Fair. i have to come up with different ones each time you know what i mean Fair. so well my fellowship will be called living in the gray area and for the listeners who don't know what a fellowship is, usually it's like a diversity program of some sort that gives opportunity to people that they may not otherwise have access to. For example, for writers, they may be able to work on a script with industry professionals, gain mentorship, perfect soft skills um, that are needed like in writer's rooms or whatnot, or perfect pitching skills. Um, It's basically to set you on your way to greater things in the industry and prepare you for future jobs. However, in mine, I would love the writers, directors, and producers to be paired with one another and create Mm. something so that they can take it with them when the fellowship is done. Yeah. Because I feel like it costs a lot of money to make something, as we know, and also a lot of times people don't want to read something of yours, I yeah. can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, at least they would have something that would be made, which looks very impressive and professional. Um, but I've applied for these fellowships in the past, and I think there's kind of a, a feel, like an icky feeling that I get sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if I fully belong here mm-hmm. or if I should apply for this. Mm-hmm. Um, that I feel each time and the reasoning for this is because I'm half Mexican-American and half white plus I'm bisexual so sometimes I don't feel like enough of one thing or the other like almost like I'm not diverse enough mm-hmm. um, and I've always said that I don't live in the black or in the white but I live in the gray area in between so looky there mm-hmm this fellowship would be for those who don't fit in the boxes that society tends to put us in or the stereotypes of said boxes that we're held to. Hannah is hysterically laughing at me. Um, so to all my fellow mixed or queer kids who feel this way, this fellowship would be for you. There you go. Hop on it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, not now. It's not not here yet. (laughs) But eventually, eventually, I don't have I don't have the the ability to do or the resources to do this. But you know, we're manifesting. That's blue sky. Yeah, Yeah. blue skying, man. We're back with my favorite segment now. I'm a blank. Where we choose a movie or a TV show and we decide what character um, we are and the backstory of why we're that character. And this week, we'll be doing the Hulu murder mystery, only Murders in the Building. It's a show we all love that's built around a podcast, in fact, and it sort of makes fun of the addiction many of us feel to the true crime ones. Ahem, Hannah? Yes, me and half the planet. (laughs) (laughs) I I love spooky stuff, and I love listening to true true crime podcasts whenever I'm on a road trip. Because I like to imagine how many dead bodies I might be driving past. It sounds really <laughs> fucked up. No, like, I get that. Right? Okay. I'm glad I'm not alone here. No, I have driven through the Mojave Desert. And the entire time, I'm just thinking, you could hide so many bodies out here. Like, Yeah, and then you're listening to a true crime podcast. Yeah. And you're like, and then they were found underneath a shed. It's like, okay, great. What about that one right over there? Yeah. How many people are buried there? Anyway, regardless, we all love a true crime podcast, but Emily, would you like to go first here or would you like us to give you an example? No. So Kay told me about this last night because she was like, I feel like we're all going to be like Selena Gomez. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. No. Because let me tell you right now, I 
am Martin Short's character to a T. Like I, I can live, see that actually. I live for all Oliver Putnam. Let me tell you why. Because one, I dragged my co-host into doing the podcast that I have, just like Oliver did. <laughs> That's interesting because we've already talked about it, but Hannah also dragged me into doing this. So. I'm also like, oh, let me like just do that one more time, like for you know, like for coverage and everything. Like, just let me get the audio. Also, I love a good dip. Like, I I love dips. They're they are great. Like, they are fantastic. Are you reading everything I wrote down? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I literally wrote down this man is a big dip lover and we all know this bitch loves a good dip <laughs> okay maybe that's why i like both of you oh my maybe. god honestly probably. probably i make a lot of good dips so i can yeah, see why I, you both want to be around me you are a good dip queen i'm a dip there queen and dip i queen. always say that the best dips look like vom which isn't appetizing but they do hummus looks like vomit crab dip Ooh, I love a good crab dip. Mm-hmm. Spinach artichoke. I'm yeah, allergic. That does look like that. No, also, kind of looks like vom a little that's bit. That's sad. Yeah, you're. Oh yeah, you are allergic to shellfish. Yeah. So sorry. <sighs> that's I okay. Think... I can eat plenty of other vom dips. Well, this is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Go on <laughs> yes, with this. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, we no. got caught up in dips. Yes, yeah. This are the dips, and then I mean, he's a director, and just he's a Leo to a T. Like it is, and he's always dressed fabulous, and then. He always forgets to pay people back, which is also me too. It's like my toxic flaw is that I forget to Venmo people back. It's my ADHD. That's all I blame it on. Well, Hannah, do you want to go next? Because you already have kind of alluded <laughs> to uh, I, I yours. Mean, honestly, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> you basically took everything that I wrote He's and just fantastic. said it out loud. So I'm just going to agree with every single thing <laughs> you said. And I'm also going to throw in a little mix of Lucy in there. As like a little oh yeah sub character only because of her curiosity how young she is mm-hmm. and it I don't think she puts much thought into what she does fully before she does it but she's very excited yes. all the time which is also kind of similar to Oliver because yeah. he's so excited about everything all the time also Oliver wants always to play party games and like I am always down. For a party game. Oh, we're all big game people. The here. Son of Sam oh, we love game? A game. Oh God, oh. I would have thrived trying to play that and be like the whole ringleader behind that. That but. episode, whenever they went back to the seventies for that, I was like, okay, seventies, a vibe. game night. Yes. Whoo! This is my entire personality put into one. Yes. Episode of a person. Yeah. But the other, the only other thing I'm gonna add about Oliver is the theater aspect of him, which you all, you kind of dipped yeah. into with the director, yes. but just dipped into again with the dips again <laughs> with the dips. <laughs> dipping this all is actually the... an episode about different dips. <laughs> We're all just going to sit here the remainder oh of the time and dips. test dips. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Should be that. Later on, uh, we're going to have a follow-up YouTube uh, segment. A with segment. Yes, with Emily, where we just eat a bunch of dips together and divine. we rate them. So okay, hold, hold us to this. Well, um, <laughs> I'm Mabel. Which, shocker. Yeah. Uh, and literally, I wrote, it will come as a shock to no one that I am Mabel Mora. She is an only child, which Selena Gomez is as well. And part of the reason I think that Mabel is just fine living on her own in that big apartment. Uh, she seems very comfortable hanging out with adults, aka her podcast hosts. Um, because as an only, you usually grow up with adults, uh, mm-hmm. so you tend to be pretty precocious and kind of like an old soul, if you will. Um, and what what's up, Pam? Is Selena an only child? Oh, yeah. Really? I have a list of hundreds of famous only children, what? if you'd ever I like I thought that to. she had a little sister. No, that's Demi Lovato you're thinking of. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they they are both uh they are both half Mexican half white people so that I yeah. that I did know yes, yes. okay they sorry were also best Can friends for a long time yeah so yeah. you know Disney okay. yeah gals. I'm just I'm just getting the Disney girls mixed up I'm sorry yes continue <laughs> um but her life is filled with past trauma with her parents that then affects her ability to trust people with secrets about her life, which I can definitely relate to being a guarded person myself for most of my earlier life. 
no one really knew what was going on with me at home. They just saw like the version of myself that I wanted them to see. Um, but she's definitely a strong person. But it seems like she's not really processing her trauma, which I am currently in EDMR therapy to do myself. Ooh. So um, that's relatable to me. And the way she seems to work through her issues are by the art that she creates and the podcast, which in some ways gives her like a sense of importance, if you will. It's as if like helping others solve their lives makes her feel better about her own. And for both of you, you both know that I am a big problem solver and the person that many come to for advice or help. However, I struggle to ask for it myself. My first phrase as a baby was, I do it. And I very much carry that with me as an adult. I want that tattooed on me. I, I do, do it. it. <laughs> I do it. I love how you're like, yeah, like, you know, Mabel, she's been like really closed off and like, you know all this like trauma and we're like we love dips <laughs> i know we're over here yelling and really excited the leo really came out in both of us over here <laughs> yeah you know i'm i'm just I, i'm my new self now do yeah. you also sleep with a knitting needle by your bedside um no i'm not big i can't because i also have adhd i cannot do something like knitting no no, no. there's absolutely no way that i would ever be able to finish a project of that <laughs> literally no way <laughs> You could probably like like knit a coaster, and that's. I don't even know if I'd make it that far, honestly. I there's Small, like half of a coaster. We also, would come back, and it would just be like half underneath that Topo Chico. Just also like I have very tiny hands, which I feel like you also do, if I remember correctly, Emily. And I just I struggle to open shit. I like cannot do anything. I can confirm with these hands. You always are. She'll always come to me and be like open this i don't even say anything. like a gatorade bottle just, no it'll just, just be like out. i just hold and they just know anyone who knows me well just knows that i need help <laughs> so it's time to move on to something we alluded to in the intro segment and it is called she's, she's a, a bitch. bitch now bitch is a term of endearment for both Kay and i because we use it regularly and I'll look at her in excitement and be like, bitch, you have to come see this. So it's, it's very endearing. We love it. We love calling people bitch as a fun thing. However, people have used it as a derogatory term in the past, no matter the sex, for a long time. Mm -hmm. So the definition of bitch is a spiteful, unpleasant, or disliked woman. So she's a bitch is a segment where we discuss a female identifying character in film and TV that people find unlikable and the reasons why we don't find her to be as unlikable as others may perceive. And today, we are talking about one of the most likable, unlikable characters of all time, Fleabag. If you haven't watched, both seasons of this show are on Amazon Prime, and you can honestly watch it all in one binge, and it will be hard not to once you start. That I can promise yes. So, Emily, you adore this show, as I know. I Would you like to go first in your defense against why Fleabag is actually not a bitch? I actually would love to hear y'all's. Okay, well, I'll go. Um, so, I fucking love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, she's one of my favorite writers that exists. And besides being a Brit, I feel like our brains are so similar. Her humor is very dry and sarcastic, and the character Fleabag is actually quite smart, even if she does make some self-sabotaging decisions. Um, she tells the messy parts of being a woman and shows how fragile and or disgusting men are. Uh, she's conniving to men, sure, but really, if you look at most of the male characters, at least in the first season, they all want something from her or are downright awful to her. So I think that validates her behavior. And she isn't afraid to talk about things like periods or stuff that maybe women have been conditioned to feel shameful of or hide. She basically just says what everyone else is thinking, which I can very much relate to, being a blunt lady myself. Um, she's also very supportive of her friend before, spoiler alert, she accidentally kills herself. 
Um, and everyone deals with their trauma differently. And I think one way is to distract herself with people she doesn't actually care about, which is why she hangs out with like all these douchies dudes. Um, so she can live in more of like a surface level space and never have to get like too deep. I also think deep down she feels partially responsible for her friend's death. So she surrounds herself with people who are, will treat her horribly because she doesn't feel like she deserves to be loved. So that is why I don't think that she is unlikable. I actually find a lot of sympathy for her. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there because my first time watching Fleabag, I, I never hated her. Yeah. I immediately fell in love with her and her character and her raw realness because I feel like so many women can relate, like every woman can relate to at least one thing that she's either said or done within that show. Yeah. And I love the messiness. I love, I love the sarcasm. I love the dryness and every single thing about her is perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. And like, the self the self sabotaging decisions that you mentioned because like we've all been there and every woman has gone through some sort of self sabotaging just every single person in general has done something that is self sabotage like to I mean to themselves but if you haven't good on you I I don't have that kind of demeanor but <laughs> regardless with the messiness, I think more people should feel comfortable talking about it. And I think that she brought that to life in a way that is so beautifully articulated. And it makes people, whenever you're watching it, you it doesn't make you uncomfortable. It makes you feel more comfortable being a mess, if yeah. that makes any sense. So I agree with everything that you said. See, like, I think the, So the thing that I was going to say was... Yes, I, I agree with what both of y'all said. I don't, I don't view her as unlikable at all. However, I think that's how she views herself, though. Like, I think she definitely views herself as an unlikable female character. I mean, she calls herself Fleabag. We don't know her actual name. Uh, and so I think that that's so relatable for a lot of people to go through where you have so much like, self-hatred in a way that you don't even view yourself like, as a person. And I think that's how sometimes that she is doing. I mean, like she is a sex addict and I think that a lot of times that she is just going through the motions in order just to feel something. And if you look at it like season two, like with the priest, I mean, she just wants someone to tell her what to do because she doesn't clearly she doesn't think that anything that she does is a smart decision. And she just wants somebody else to make the decisions for her. And I've definitely can relate to that. And also who the fuck would not fall in love with the hot priest um like are we kidding ourselves like if we don't think that he is not the most gorgeous man in the entire world uh it's a shame that he's gay (laughs) irl (laughs) it's a shame that sandra scott is gay irl but yeah i mean yeah i've never viewed her as unlikable i could see how people who don't understand her story and don't relate to it possibly could but you also have a character who views herself as that way. So it's just like, is she or is she not kind of thing? It's, that's how the character is viewing themselves. Ooh. Yeah, I like that take. That was really great. Yeah. yeah. So in conclusion, if you think Fleabag is a bitch, you're wrong. She's that bitch. Mic drop. And now... It's time for another newer segment, which is going to be a play off of both of our names called K. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I love every time, every time we do this together, the guest always looks at us like we are the twins from The Shining. (laughs) And it is my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So much. Um, Well, uh, I'm a writer. So I'm constantly trying to understand how the words I put on a page are being translated by an actor such as Hannah. I specifically write TV, so I try to keep my action lines at a minimum, knowing that a director or studio or producer is going to come in and iron out the details and that many things are going to be changed later on. So 
A lot of times when an actor is reading sides, I'm shocked at how they interpret the backstory of some of the characters I write. Han, would you like to explain your process? Yeah, I mean, well, my process is going to be different from everybody else, most likely. Everybody's process is different and everybody works differently, but my coach and I have been working a lot recently on just getting more in tune with my emotions and within that I need all of the details I can possibly come up with so I make a backstory up for the character if I don't have it sometimes I make a playlist sometimes I make a Pinterest board but I have to go through each character in the script basically and just come up with the relationship on my own and figure out all of the details that way so, K, na, is a play on what K writes, aka me, and what Hannah thinks it actually means as an actor. And spoiler alert, it's usually not the same thing. Ooh. And today, we'll be reading a scene K wrote as a spec script for fellowships from Dave, which is a show we love due to our adoration for Lil Dicky, specifically K's adoration. Yeah. I've no, been, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I can barely breathe even at the, the name drop there. But I've been there since the beginning. Baby, fellow, only child, Dave Bird has my heart. Big crush. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> Emily's day job is in music, so she's familiar with all the nonsense that goes on in that world and dealing with musicians, which isn't always the easiest task. I can only imagine <laughs> the stories I could tell, but I don't because I don't want to get fired. Yes, no, 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 no. We no. like we like money here. Yes, yes, yeah. We're all about empowering women, like, so exactly. we won't do that. So Kay's gonna read the action lines. I'll play Dave, and Emily, you will be everyone else. Great. Yes. <laughs> After the scene, we'll discuss how Hannah interpreted it versus what I pictured it in my head. And Emily, you're going to input how you see this may be shot based off of your director mind. Sweet. So, let's go. Interior, Dave and Mike's living room, morning. Dave's on the couch, scrolls through Instagram. He lands on at breadfaceblog. An Asian woman smashes her face into bread. He watches disgusted. Allie does crafts on the floor. Emma walks up behind him. Bread queen. She's a genius. This is what's wrong with content these days. There's no creativity or effort. Dude works at an ad agency for a year. Thinks he's next. Two years. I'm the reason you eat those scrumptious sweet chili Doritos you like. We haven't watched a commercial in for abs. You wanted to pay for no ads. Mm, that doesn't sound like me. Emma shakes her head, walks into the kitchen. Have you heard those whisper people? The Ying Yang twins should sue. It's called ASMR. Dave gets up, walks into the kitchen. Interior Dave and Mike's kitchen continuous. Emma rolls her face in a loaf of challah bread. Are you serious? Emma lifts her face. Dave snatches the loaf, holds it like he's protecting a newborn from a predator. Do not make it unenjoyable. I got this for Shabbat. What are you, anti-Semitic? You don't even do Shabbat. You're like Jew-ish. It's with your hands. Which for those who cannot see, she did the quote marks. (laughs) (laughs) You're like Jew-ish. What's wrong with your hands? I've never seen you celebrate anything related to Judaism. It's more of a lifestyle than a religion, really. Seems kind of messed up. Enjoy your lifestyle greens. I like to gnaw on it. I have this underbite which sets me in a constant state of teething. The bread is my gummy ring. He always bites his tongue. Turns out there's not a tonguist. A what? A dentist for tongues. Tonguist. Emma gives a judgy look, walks out. He rips off a piece, gnaws on it with his mouth open. Insert title card for Dave. What were you picturing when you were... Acting out Dave's lines. All I could see is little Dickie's face and just <laughs> him saying all of these things. Yes, but if you didn't know. If I didn't, it, yes. if I didn't know, if I didn't know, I would probably picture Larry David. If I'm being totally honest. As his character, like that is who I would 
that is probably the first person to come to my brain of who else could be reading him. So that's probably who I would kind of try to play off of. Either that, or I would just be like, okay, this is a young, younger Jewish guy who probably, he grew up Jewish, but clearly didn't actually pay attention to it or his parents actually no i'm gonna go a different way with this you go whichever way you want yeah i'm gonna say he grew up in a house where he was forced to actually like follow judaism and then as he got older he found out that he actually didn't want anything to do with it yet he still celebrates all of the holidays because that's what makes him feel like he's connected to his family i want to make it like a little bit of a dramatic thing Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I feel like if I didn't know who Emma and Allie were in this, I would probably just say they were his roommates. Okay. Yeah, I would also assume that they were his roommates as well. It's been a while since actually I've watched Dave. Um, I do know the show and I love Little Dicky. Um, but it has been a while and I do not remember anybody else's names except for Dave. So Allie <laughs> is his girlfriend, and then okay. Emma is her best friend, and they live together, but. They all kind of like hang out at each other's houses, okay. you know, which makes sense for what was in my head, which was um, if I was reading this and I didn't like the names were crossed out and I didn't know whose voice it was. I would think it was like a Jewish version of Chandler Bing. Ooh, love that. That's what I read it as. Yeah. And it's like Monica and Rachel that he's like talking to. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that was great. That. Yeah. Well, Firstly, I'm going to say that I wrote this episode with the intention of it fitting towards the end of season one. So mm-hmm. keep in mind that none of season two has happened yet in this scenario. But in this cold open, to begin the show, I'm trying to set up two things. One, that Dave is a character who is very critical on what art is and or isn't. In that despite being a millennial, he is resistant to some trendy things that he doesn't quite understand, which will become an issue as the episode goes on. And two, that Dave is Jewish, but up until this point, we haven't really seen exactly what this means to him, like as an adult, as he doesn't practice like a lot of the things related to the religion in this past season, in season one. Um, We just see some flashbacks to camp and whatnot, so... Others questioning this part of his identity will bring up some feelings in him that will later be conflicts in the episode. I think everyone struggles with what they're supposed to be with a label attached to them, or in his case, he begins to wonder if he's not a good Jew in ways that he can prove himself to be or use this part of him as like an advantage in the entertainment industry. So... Emily, how do you see this cold open being directed or what is your vision for how it would look like? So I one, I, I everything you just said I, I can definitely see and I can see that how that play out throughout the episode and I think that those are two great A and B storylines to work with. Um I definitely picture it something more of like yeah, Dave being reluctant to a lot of, you know, ongoing trends and everything and him just sitting on the couch watching the masterful bread queen do her thing <laughs> and Allie and Emma kind of I, I, living their lives around him and him feeling like he doesn't fit into their lives or that doesn't fit into like what they're going on because there is that outline factor of him being like Jewish in this household where I'm assuming Allie and Emma are not also Jewish and so him trying to keep a little part of those traditions alive and I feel like a lot of times when people have you know certain things that are related to their culture where they're not like I think of like my best guy friend who is Peruvian and he tries he is fully so immersed into his culture and like it's not something to where he would ever like push aside but he does know friends that do that with their culture where they try to push it aside a little bit to kind of fit into the majority usually white people and I definitely could see that that is something maybe within this character that I would want to kind of work with and pull out of Dave a little bit more. Because I think that even though it's a comedy, you can still have that serious like subtext that I would want to pull out of his character and um, try to highlight more, which is what I think you were trying to go with with the rest of the episode. Yeah, so probably 
get some shots of like his facial expressions yeah. when you know he's hearing these certain things that maybe he yes. doesn't really agree with and yeah. maybe we'll see some conflict even in how he feels within that yeah too for sure and the rest is just playful around him mm-hmm. yeah well he is very expressive in his yeah. face yeah so. he's just a beautiful yes beautiful he is man. a great actor i think to work with when it comes to like doing reaction shots because i think that there are some actors who they especially in comedy you are only good when you have dialogue which but you need reactions like you that is half of literally acting yeah um, especially with comedy you have to yeah especially with comedy well, and I you feel shouldn't like need just lines. You also have to know yeah. like improv and. And I think it's usually the I think it's usually actors who are probably stand up, first and foremost, and they're trying to get into acting, and they are only considering and thinking about like their own dialogue because that's where they're comfortable at. That's where they're strong suit as is nailing the punchline. But sometimes the punchline is not always dialogue. Sometimes the punchline is like a reaction. Right. And I think like shows like Brooklyn Nine Nine, they do that great. Yeah. Well, and Little Dicky being a performer already yes. has like the physicality where he knows how to move his body in certain ways. And I feel like his character is so awkward that there's like a lot of slumping or like throwing his arms around or whatever, almost like tantrum-esque things that he puts off that you can kind of see that in his personality when he is not even giving any lines. For sure. Which is great. Now it's time to get back to praising the ladies in our lives. So next we have Let's Let's Hear It it For The girls. Girls. Since we're all about uplifting new voices here, Let's Hear For The Girls is a segment where we shout out the femme-identifying people in film and TV that you, the listeners, should know about. These are the emerging or maybe slept-on creatives that you can support and check out in the future. So, Emily, who are some of these individuals in your life that you're saying let's to that are killing it right now and why? Oh, God. Um, hmm. This is see. This is the sad part right here is that I don't know that many female creators, and so I'm like sitting here like actually trying to think of like especially in film that I think are amazing besides K, obviously. Oh my gosh! Well, we we all know more too much about me now, so we can't. We gotta (laughs) shout out someone else. Um, is okay if I shout out a podcaster? Absolutely, of course. Um, I'm gonna shout out my friend Maddie Mayo. So she is the co-host of the OK Sis podcast which is a fabulous podcast that is also empowering female creators and entrepreneurs. Um, And she does it with her uh, older sister, Scout. But Maddie is also a female entrepreneur in that she just started an app. And she is working in the tech industry, which is, like, super terrifying. Like, as, like, a 28-year-old girl, I think, who has no prior tech experience whatsoever. Uh, uh, Her app is called Camper, and I am... Uh, I have self-identified myself as a spokesperson for this app um, because I talk about it nonstop. Um, I call it the glossy, uh, the trip advisor for the Glossier generation. Uh, but it's like literally you can like look up like all the places that your friends have gone to and like see the recommendations and like it, they curate like to your aesthetic and your vibe. You can make different lists and stuff. But she is also like mentoring podcasts as well. And she's really just up all about giving back to, like, female creators and, like, helping them tell, like, their own stories. And then I would also say, like, my own, like, producer as well, uh, Epiphany James. She is a film producer and she actually produced my last short film, All We Were, that is currently, like, being submitted to festivals. And she... I could not have done this film, like, without her. I mean, I probably could have, but, like, I would have, like cried so much more than I did and she literally was like I'm going to lift like this stress off your shoulders and help you with this because I believe in your story and she only wants to work with female creators and female directors like that's the only thing she wants to do um and so I was really touched to have her come on and support me and help me and guide me um and just really entrust me with my vision and uh yeah especially as a writer director and actor of this film um doing all those things i feel like some producers would be like that is absolutely terrifying like i'm not going to get onto that at all because it just sounds like it's going to be a mess or it just sounds like it's going to be like a god complex issue kind of thing which i totally can hear um but she was like no like i see your vision i entrust you with it and i only want to lift you up more so i think that she is just an amazing producer and she has so many other independent films that she's doing right now with other women. And I just hope that 
um she can keep telling stories i think yeah her production company is called paper thin p-h-i-n like finny because we all call her finny oh cute oh yeah I love that. yeah That's so, so cute. yeah i would say those two people awesome oh okay so then emily yes what are your next endeavors and what can people look out for you and check out of yours in the near future or now? Thank you so much for asking. Of course. <laughs> the most important question that there is in this whole podcast. For a Leo? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about me now. Um, thank you so much. So, uh, yeah, I have a short film that's out right now that is being submitted to festivals. It will be uh, on the web for viewing next year uh it is called all we were it is a non-linear uh short film about a couple's tumultuous breakup and then both looking back on it from different povs uh and just basically analyzing the idea of do you really know somebody like or do you just fall in love with the idea of people and i like I said earlier, I wrote, directed, and starred in it. It is based off a previous relationship of mine, um, and I talk about it multiple times in my podcast, The Gals Guide. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do that, and then I am also currently working on a new feature film script that I hope to direct, and I just also did a music video with my co-host. <laughs> uh, her name is Hannah Adams, and she uh, has a song out called Talk About You. She has a full album coming out next year. We just shot and uh, did a music video for her song. So, yeah. So many things. Well, <gasps> thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll have many more Let's Stories, Blue Sky, and Here for the Girls. Plus, hey, nah, she's a bitch and I'm a blank in future episodes, along with several other fun-filled segments and guests. In the meantime, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at OCS Productions and let us know which segments you're really digging. Also, please rate us with a raving five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. And why not write us a review on Apple Podcasts because we want to hear from you. And we'll catch you next time for more She Said Let's...